0: And people want to see people who look like regular people. Well, that's really awesome. I look like a regular person. But sometimes people perceive you because you've played certain roles. I tend to always be put in very tight dresses and I was glammed up because I'm ethnic fun. And then that stops you from being seen as the woman who walks in and can have a breakdown or the mom of a teenage kid. Hi, I'm Reshma Shetty, and I am a model minority.
1: Welcome to Model Minorities. This is a show about work and life, told through the lens of what makes each of us different. I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl born and raised in New York City.
2: And I'm Raman Segal, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee.
1: Through conversations with some really interesting people, We uncover the stories, perspectives, and often unspoken truths about how our guests uniquely experience the world.
2: Basically what we're all thinking about, but probably not talking enough
1: about. Whether you're black, white, brown, yellow, gay, straight, boy, girl, or anything in between.
2: This is a show about all of you for all of us. On today's show, we are talking to actor Reshma Shetty. You might have actually seen Reshma on TV. She's been on USA's Royal Pains. She's been on NBC's The Blind Spot. And probably coolest is she's the voice of Angela on She-Ra on Netflix. But she has had a lot of other appearances. She's a very accomplished actress based in New York and someone I just kind of hung out with years and years ago. And run into on the streets of New York every once in a while. I don't know, Sharon, what'd you think?
1: I thought she was fantastic. I thought that she was totally hilarious, first of all, but very- how,
2: how many points does the British accent add to a lot?
1: I was thinking yeah. that as she was talking, I was just admiring her accent. She has the perfect television British accent.
2: Us Americans have like such a weak spot for accents. Oh my god,
1: we do. We just automatically like. I I do. I hear a British accent, and I just think everything she's saying is true and right and very smart. Very smart.
2: (laughs) I was. We were interviewing one of my first startups, this South African guy, and he's legit smart. But I came out of the interview, and the co-founder asked what I thought of him, and they were like, "Hang on, you're fanboying on the accent. Discount it a little bit."
1: Well, did you know, I mean, you probably knew this, but my my husband's an actor. And when he was, you know, part of his training was different accents. And there are so many, there's a wide range of British accents. There's like Cockney accent and like, yeah. you know, Royal British. And so even the the type of accent says a lot about what kind of British person you are.
2: So if you, I assume you know about this. So what kind of British person was Rashma based on her I
1: accent? I think she was pretty like highbrow. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a trained ear, but she didn't sound like a like a Cockney, you know, street, like downtown, kind of British person. She sounded like a very upscale, you know, manicured lawn, country club British lady.
2: That's hilarious. You know, here's what I'd say: when you get her going on something, she becomes one of the most real people out there. And it was just so interesting to hear. I mean, she was a singer first before she was an actress, and. The reason why was it sounded like my correlation is Bollywood, like mm-hmm. growing up in England with videotapes of, I can't even, not even pronounce the name of that Bollywood movie. We'll put it in the show
1: notes. Yeah. like yeah,
2: That was her inspiration to go from wanting to be a doctor, mom and dad wanting her to be a doctor, her wanting to be a doctor to, now nah, I'm going to give the singing thing a go.
1: Yeah. And, and, like, and the moments that she realized that that was her passion, but also that that was her gift. You know, she talks about how she was trying to pursue this doctor path, like so many of us. I mean, it's so funny to have these conversations because I think we're all identical in this way. So trying really hard with her biology classes and studying for exams and then realizing that she had this other thing she was doing for fun just because she enjoyed it. And she was doing a really amazing job with that. And it was just very easy for her. So being able to make those connections and to also kind of like find out that that was really her true calling.
2: Yeah. And then we even shifted gears into like her day job now, like acting. But mm-hmm. something I wanted to dig in on was casting and stereotypes for brown people, right? Or Indians yep. or South Asians, East Asians, whatever. And oh my God, she came up with the new podcast name, Open Ethnicity. I Open never ethnicity. heard that. That is so <laughs> cool.
1: It's true. I, I just, I really enjoyed hearing about it from her perspective of someone who's, who's successful at it, who is, you know, she's already made it as an actress. She's, she's got her a television show. She's got her Netflix series. She's got a bunch of things that I think most actors and actresses would completely kill for. And yet still having to try to figure out how she can fit into this casting description or why she's being passed over for roles just because of her ethnicity. It was really eye-opening and illuminating to hear that coming from her.
2: Yeah. So put your seatbelt on, get ready for a chat with our friend Reshma. Reshma, welcome to the podcast.
0: Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So, I
2: mean, people know you. They know who you are. They've seen you on TV. Do
0: they? Do they know me? (laughs) I think they do. I think they They, do. they, they They have an idea about you. They have the persona Yes. (laughs)
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's go deeper than a the
0: facade. The facade. facade. <laughs> uh,
2: can you tell us a story from growing up?
0: A story from growing up. Oh my gosh.
2: I mean I know your mom and dad loved each other very much one day. Oh so. yes.
0: <laughs> yes. In Cork Island, I was conceived.
1: <laughs> they told you exactly when and where?
0: They have never mentioned it. I have worked <laughs> out that it was Cork Island. In Island. Actually, was, I was conceived in Ireland, but let me think of a, a much more interesting story than that. From childhood, my goodness. I moved a lot when I was young. I, I grew up in England, and my dad is a doctor. And it was during the, the I guess, the, the first wave of South Asians migrating, and the first stop was usually England. And I just remember that my dad... Literally would be at one place for like two years, three years, and then we'd move to another place and we moved to another place. But the place that I have the most memories from are obviously the ones when I w- was older. And most of my sweetest memories are from Sleaford, which is a really small town in Lincolnshire, England. And the- <laughs> I feel like you're making like a town name. Yeah, I know, I'm it's really so not, true. <laughs> I'm really not. And it was about 17 miles from Lincoln which was the big city there. And it was the only place where there was a McDonald's. And when I tasted my first root beer, we'd go for, there for the tape shops when they had cassette tapes and you'd go into the cool little marketplaces to find your Nirvana cassette tape. A story about my childhood. Oh my gosh, I was a daydreamer and I, I would wander the grounds of the area that we lived. We actually lived really close to where my dad worked, Rossby Hospital. And I would just wander all afternoon, in the summers especially, and I would just like sing to myself and I'd have, I was kind of, summers there were, you have to bike to your friends, everything was really far away. This is a really boring story, but basically what I'm driving at is that I would just sit around all afternoon, just by myself, hitting tennis balls to walls and just singing and doing stories to myself about Whatever. And I would always continue the stories the next time I was out there.
2: Well, what's one of the stories? Tell me one of the stories.
0: Yeah, the stories were so strange, Roman. please. I, th- we want to hear them. We want to hear them. Stories mm-hmm. about princes and princesses and way too many Bollywood influential 14 year old days of wanting to be the heroine.
2: All right, give me your Bollywood movie from childhood. What's the <laughs> Bollywood on. movie that was like.
0: There's one ultimate, Deleke Mantanihi. It was the. Amirkan- yeah, of course.
2: I, to- I totally know that movie.
0: Yeah, the Amir Khan Puja Butt movie. And I remember to go get the movies, it was VHS and you'd have to rent it from a store in Leicester, which was two hours away from where I lived in Rossi, Oh my goodness. And I would get car sick. So just the sacrifices that I went through to get in that car, drive two hours with my parents, obviously driving to Leicester, run into that video store and be like, do you have a copy of Dili Himantanahi? And the guy would always be like, no, for oh. so like months, <laughs> like months. And so like you can call ahead of time and check that they have it or they have multiple copies.
2: Wait, wait, Sharon, hang on. Brown people in America would get it once and make a copy. Yeah. Like how is that not happening in England?
0: Maybe it would, but brown people in England maybe don't have as much money as brown people in America. So oh, it's like had a double videotape system going. And we're also very, very good. So yeah, that's proper. illegal. Ramen. I don't that know. That is
1: illegal, it's true. Very illegal. So the Chinese do that in America too. We did oh, that yeah? in America too, yeah.
0: It's yeah. it's the American it's The American way. Yeah. <laughs> the American way. But yeah, no, I didn't. And I just remember getting it, and I knew all of the songs beforehand because you know you get the cassette tape. And Amir Khan actually was my only Bollywood crush ever. And I actually had two life size posters of him. Wow. I didn't actually put them up though. So it's not like I committed to my crush, but I did own the posters.
1: Wait, so where was this poster? It was just like in your closet? You hid it? It was like
0: rolled up. It was rolled up in my closet. like a
1: secret love.
0: <laughs> it really wasn't a secret. <laughs> Everybody in my family is aware of my crush on Amir Khan. I was in love with him. In love, in love with him. And that was my movie. I love that movie so much. Every song, every moment, Every she loves him, but she doesn't. And she she's going to sing in a field and a horse is going to come running because that's, that's what happens. And then they're going to get lost in a wood and there's going to be a campfire and then he's going to punch somebody out and then he's, she's going to realize she's in love with him. And that was my whole life. My life was just conjuring up stories like that.
2: That's when you were 22, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: so, what are you talking about? It was last year. What do you mean?
2: Okay, okay. So... So much to unpack there. But one of the questions I always like to ask is, like, what do you want to be when you grew up? But I think I kind of know based right. on the story.
0: Clearly. No, no, no. I wanted to be a doctor. No. Oh, completely. really? completely wanted to be a doctor. Wow. so British Indian people are
2: the same as?
0: Yeah. American. American. Oh, absolutely. We're the originals. I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> Remember, England was the first stop. England was the first stop.
2: All right. All right. <laughs> Worth noting, this. this has to be said, And I didn't realize my mom's folks live in England in Wolverhampton, or that's where my mom grew up after she left Africa. And something I didn't realize until, and I went to England all the time. I I saw my family in England more than I did in India. But something I didn't realize until I was like 19 visiting Wolverhampton is that in America, we are model minorities. We're doctors. We're all doctors. We're all engineers. Because we all left, right, to come over here. That's what our parents did. In England, it's very much if America is very white-collar, Indians, at least in that era, the 60s and 70s, and the, the, Indi- the England my mom grew up in, Indians are very blue-collar, a blue-collar minority. Is that an accurate statement or is that just my perception?
0: I would say that's a misconception. I would say visas were easier to get to go directly to Ireland and England, which is why I was in Ireland and England, especially for doctors. I think that the reason that Maybe you perceive doctors in America being more white collar for Indians. Is that it was actually harder to get a visa to go to America, so it wasn't till later on, and it actually wasn't till you got even more high end doctors because you have to pass all these exams to get into America. You've got to do four years of residency when you get to America, however old you are as a doctor. Like it's a very different stepstone. Well,
2: but it's like a major in the sixties and seventies. The yeah. Indians. I only speak for Indians. The Indians that came over were the professional class, so to speak, the engineers and the doctors, for the most part. And That's what I'm class.
0: saying. I think, I think that the visa to get to America and the need, the testing that was needed to come here was much harder, probably, than it was yeah, over yeah, there.
2: But, but as a result, a majority of the Indians in America were those kind of white collar jobs versus in England. Yes, you had Indians that had the white collar jobs, but you also had, in, there were very few Indians with blue collar jobs. The gas station, Apu thing didn't appear until the 80s and the 90s here, right? Versus, I think you had all socioeconomic classes of Indians in England, didn't you?
0: Well, you just had a lot more Indians because, as I said, it was more of a gateway. It was an easier a commute, really, if you want to put it mm-hmm. in, in those words. It was just quicker and easier to get to England. And there was a bigger Indian society in England. And they were taking over sections of cities. And that's also why being Indian, South Asian, and I would probably say East Asian, but I can't really speak for that From personal knowledge, as I'm not East Asian, Sharon. I'll represent that side for you, don't worry. (laughs) It's your territory, so I will not step on that. But I literally know even looking at the population of Indians there now, you have literally Leicester and Birmingham that's just got huge Indian communities in comparison to America, which is a bigger country. And yes, fine, everybody's much more spread out, but there isn't an identity of being South Asian like there is in, in England. Like, look at the British television shows. British television shows are filled with South Asians, even though they talk about that they have the same diversity problem that we have here. They, in comparison, South Asians are part of the identity. Going and getting a curry with chips is part of the life. Yeah. Yeah. Here, yeah. being South Asian is not a part of the fabric yet. It's more exotic. It's more exotic. Right. and much more exotic, much more just Bollywood-based There, you know, all of that's been a bit more integrated because of the distance and because of, but it was the easier stop off. It was the easier visa get, I think, at that time. So those are my thoughts
1: on that. That's such a good point. I think I had studied abroad in London in college and the thing that struck me was the number of Indian restaurants. And how it was just—it was just sort of part of the fabric. And
2: Indian food in England is like Mexican or Chinese. Yeah, food in
1: exactly. Yeah. Like it was just like an everyday thing. And I was like, "Wow, that's so interesting." And yeah, that definitely stood out to me. That's a really good point.
0: Because of that, there is more of an integration in blue collar classes and the white collar classes that you won't see here as much, because there's so many more families there. It was easier to mesh in, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a show that I love to watch called Call the Midwife. It's totally... My <laughs> mother-in-law loves that I show. I love it. It's like one of my favorite <laughs> shows ever. Literally, I will watch it every Sunday night on PBS, free advertising for Masterpiece Theater. But Call the Midwife is set in the East End of London, and it's following these midwives and these nuns who give birth to babies, etc. etc. But... It's just a feel-good show, but the point of it is that it shows the early South Asian families coming to the East End of London and how they would live in mass housing and they would not integrate and people would wear saris. And you still see that in England today. You'll see parts of Leicester and Birmingham. I always used to joke when you were in the car driving to Leicester, you know that you're about to hit Leicester because you suddenly start to see saris everywhere. And there's like one row in particular that's just Indian stores, which is where that video store guy was, by the by.
2: (laughs) When you were growing up, what percentage of your friends were Indian versus non-Indian?
0: Zero. Really? Yeah. I was not living in one of those towns. I was in an all-girls school in Sleaford. Three girls of color in my school and all the three of us, our parents, our fathers were doctors at the hospital. I didn't even know any Black people. I just knew white people. I thought I was white for ages until... Oh my God, I did too. Yeah, I did too. I think that's a very specific story too for a certain, I guess, I don't want to say type of South Asian, East Asian, but there are lots of us who didn't grow up very South Asian, East Asian. And it shows because we resented at some period of our lives. And I don't want to talk for everybody, but I'm pretty sure everybody went through this. <laughs> A resentment for being South Asian. If Now all the stories are just pouring in, aren't they, in my head. I remember going to my friend's house when I was about 13, 12, 13, 14, and her mother made spaghetti and meatballs. And I just, I love food, and I loved food then, and I didn't understand what a gym was, so it was just a catastrophe waiting (laughs) to happen. But I loved spaghetti so much and nobody else wanted seconds. And her mom goes, Rashma, do you want seconds? And I just remember looking at my friend, her name was Andrea. And I just went only if Andrea has some. And I just stared at her because I was like, have some.
1: Yes, you have
0: to say yes,
1: Andrea, say yes.
0: (laughs) Because I would never have spaghetti and meatballs. I would always have my parents would make curries on Sunday, and you eat it through the week. And on Thursday, when Top of the Pops is on at 7pm, I might get some French fries and, or some fish fingers or some SpaghettiOs from a can mixed yeah. in with the curry stuff <laughs> on the side. So right. it was a strange concoction usually, but it was something that was Western and it was my favorite. I think stuff like that, yeah, it was just a part of how I grew up with no Indians. Wow. wow.
2: How are you different today from the kid you grew up, <laughs> up as? I mean, I know you probably still have a mean SpaghettiOs habit, but yeah. based on that, how are you different from that little girl?
0: That's a, I mean, that's a huge question. I don't know. How do you... I'm completely different and the same.
2: Well, how are you the same then? That's easier. How are you the same?
0: Well, let me start off with this. I am so much more evolved as a human, and I'm able to see the patterns of my youth in my adulthood and able to step away from my instinctual reaction to things that are exactly the same as they were when i was young 10 yeah. 12 14 mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but i'm mature enough now and i've worked enough on myself to recognize and to work around all the things that affected me then. Because I think that... Well, what's an
2: example of that, Reshma? Like, what's one of those knee-jerk things that younger Reshma would have knee-jerked on and now you're like, I got this. I'm in control.
0: I don't know if I've got it under control, (laughs) but I'm in the process. (laughs) Insecurities. I mean, that's one that we all have. I always knew what I was good at, but I would always doubt myself. And now I do have moments that I doubt myself, I think now, instead of fumbling under the insecurity, I try to find out how I can separate myself from the insecurity and work around it. Something I couldn't have done then. You couldn't, how can you do that at that yeah. age?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that comes with wisdom and experience, right?
0: Reading is something that's much more applicable with a kid. You know, I'm a mom now, so I have to instill these things in my kid too, but my kid does exactly what I used to do, which was when I'm not, if something doesn't come easy to me, for example, for her, if she doesn't know how to cut a shape out very well, she'll just throw the scissors and be like, no. And I used to be exact same. I was just like, oh, I just, I just, I don't know how to play this silly game. Or if somebody beat me, oh, that's a good one. I'm horribly competitive. It's just been with me since I was a child. My mom used to say that I would cry and say people cheated if they beat me in card games as a child. Uh, five supposedly and my daughter is the exact same
2: it freaks me out how much of a mirror my daughter is of me it's and so it's like true my wife points it out all the time and it's this running joke is oh i wonder where she gets that from <laughs> mm. <Yeah.
0: laughs> i think you're genetically disposed to that stuff
2: well but i tell my daughter and this is my my own self-hate i'm like i i need to train the Romanisms out of her oh, oh no, no no no. you turned out okay ruman No, I mean, yes and no, but now I did. But you kind of have to, I guess it's what Reshma just said. It's like, yeah, we're evolved. We're all adults. We know how to fight those instincts. And we got some bruises along the way.
0: I don't think everybody does.
2: Right. And I'm afraid my daughter won't. (laughs) That's the fear.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I would say that I hate losing badly. And that's something I just don't know how to change. I'm trying to be more patient about that. But I think that's for sure the same. What's different I don't know. I don't like Bollywood anymore very much. That's, that's different. Why not? Oh, no. I yeah, why not? why not? Yeah. I think that Bollywood to me, when I was a, a child, it was so fantastical. It was like a soap opera on heroin. And I loved that as a child. It was just ridiculous. Not saying all movies at all. Let's not put all of Bollywood into that category at all. But now it's not as enjoyable to me. And actually about the real kitschy ones. That are just so fantastically, just you're just like, what?
2: I'm gonna alienate the entire nation of India. They're all kitschy. I've always had a hate hate relationship.
0: (laughs) I (laughs) wouldn't say that they're all kitschy. I think there are some that are really, there are all sorts now. There's indie ones, I mean, the great TV shows that are coming out of there as well. But I'm just saying for the mainstream Bollywood shows, I can watch them, but it's harder for me a bit. Also, because I'm an actor, so I see different things. You know, it's a very different style. Explain that. Explain that. You're trained. What is the difference? You're probably trained trained in a way. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's very soap opera-y. It is just, yeah, it's, it's a lot more flowery. It's a lot of steers. It's a lot of looks. It's a lot of, it's very musical theatre. Mm. It's probably why I geared towards musical theatre in the beginning, because as I said, I'm, I'm talking about really mainstream, and I probably actually shouldn't say anything because I really haven't watched enough Bollywood movies at the moment to really comment. Well, so
2: to give you an L, right, my trauma of Bollywood was... My parents would go pick up the VHS tape, the copied VHS tape from Atlanta, bring it home, or borrow it through the other Indian families, and force us to sit through these three to four hour things. And you have a child. (laughs) You try to get your kid to sit through an NPR story or
0: The reasoning though, I think, for something like that, because my parents used to do that too, was I think it's actually more to do with we want you to share in something that is our culture and our existence and Yeah, but
2: the the way in for little boy Raman, who's into comic books and superheroes, and the other way in that got me, right, was, dude, the Hindu gods are just like the Avengers in my mind. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, Hanuman? He's a monkey who can carry a mountain? (laughs) Or that, that kid who got his head cut off and then got an elephant head because his dad is like the destroyer? Come on, that was the shit to me. And I remember visiting England and... Well, the first trip to India at six, my parents picked up a bunch of Amar Katha, which is like the Indian Marble or DC, all these religious stories. But then I got to England and on BBC, they had the Ramayan show. And that was like a soap opera with superheroes, it was kind of the modern day MCU, right? And way more appealing than singing and dancing in the, <laughs> the Alps.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, for sure. But I mean, our parents aren't exactly as psychologically educated as we are understanding how to get through to our kids through their their interests yeah. and stuff like that i mean i think that if they had had an opportunity to my my mom and my dad always say to me that my daughter was so lucky because of all of our opportunities and it, it wasn't that they couldn't give me the opportunities meaning financially and stuff like that it was much harder but they didn't have that cultural freedom for them, it was like, "Let's get our kids over here. Let's make sure they have everything. We're going to work our butts off. This has nothing to do with what we want in life. It is to do with what we can give our children." It's a very different generation, and it is a sacrificial-based one. In comparison to us, we sit around and struggle. Our generation about, oh, what have I achieved? Who problems? Yeah, massive our kid
2: needs. We're at the yeah. top of the pile.
0: Yeah, yeah oh my gosh, what is this? My kid's going to be okay. She'll find her way. But what am I doing today? <laughs> <laughs> My parents don't ever think that way. I talk to them every day and every day is a, well, what did you do today? Did you have an audition? Are you watching this? What about this? Arya, don't do that. Arya, I've told you. And then she'll sit, my mom will sit there and have my daughter read her a book, which she can't read yet. So you can imagine that for like an hour on FaceTime, just so I can go do something. Oh, wow. It's a completely different, I can imagine me, in like 30 years and Aria calls me and is like, mommy, can you, can you talk to, I don't know, my kid while I go do this? And I'll be like, baby, I'll pay for the babysitter. How about <laughs> that?
1: Is that cool? Outsource it.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So I think that it's, I would say the sitting in the Bollywood movies is, for me now, when I do go home, which hasn't been a long time because obviously they're older and COVID and all that stuff and they tend to come here, is a kind of a bonding thing, but I will still make fun of everything. So, it's usually not very enjoyable for them. So, they tend not to try to make me sit and watch it. But there are also, as I say, lots of really great Bollywood movies that are out. And they're also really ones that can be easily made fun of, but that's the same as in Hollywood. So, yeah,
1: that's fair. So, back to mom and dad, what do they want you to be? Because you wanted to be a doctor and you became an actress. They wanted you to be a a doctor. Oh, yeah. How did they react to this new Reshma?
0: Oh, gosh. Well, there are two things. And I say this in lots of interviews. Number one, my father cried. He was very upset because I told them my sophomore year of school, because I actually started by singing and I'd I'd won this competition. And then I kept winning things. And my music teachers of the school that I'd gone to, my story is very complicated because when my parents did move to America, it took 11 years to get their green card. So I moved when I was 15 and a half and I was put into my junior year of school, but I should have been a sophomore. So when I arrived, I hadn't taken any algebra, but I was in math analysis trigonometry with Mr. Hoy and he was lovely and he passed me, but I should have failed because I had no idea what was going on. And I literally had to take SATs. I hadn't taken a PSAT. I didn't even know what an SAT was. They wouldn't take any of my grades from England. So everything was based on my junior year of school grades, which were, let's start with math analysis, trigonometry, problematic. (laughs) And literally I come from being, I was one of the four nerds of my school. It was between me and my best friend, Holly, to get top in class all the time. And suddenly I'm sinking and I knew I wanted to be a doctor. There was not even a thought About anything else. I was always a musician. I always played piano and violin and classical guitar. I was in the orchestra. I started singing. I started winning competitions. I still went to school for biology. There wasn't even a thought that I would do it. And then I kept getting attention. And I kept thinking to myself when I was in these music productions and doing chemistry homework on side stage how much more fun it was and how much easier it was for me to do. It just came so much more naturally to me than chemistry or biology. I really had to work hard because I was continuously having to catch up. I couldn't catch. I was a year behind everybody. I just couldn't catch up. And because I'm so competitive, I wouldn't give up. I literally would have, I would stay in the library. And there were these two other guys who would try to compete with me and who could stay there the longer. And I just remember looking at them and thinking, you will never win. You will never win. <laughs> as you shake your fist with uh, me. As ass. I shake my fist shift with no social life in the library on Friday nights. <laughs> so I just remember that at a certain point, I just, something weird happened. And I just kind of went, well, what if? What if I'm supposed to do this? What if all that imagination and all that stuff that every time... I do something in this area. It's so easy. And so then I changed. And thinking back on it now, I'm like, if it was my daughter, I don't know if I would have been in cool as my parents were.
2: Well, what was the window between you having that realization, that kind of awakening, that aha moment, and you telling your parents that your decision is very different from what you and them had thought?
0: It happened so quickly, I'm not entirely sure. I would say that there was a kernel inside of me somewhere that knew it was going to happen at some point. And I can't even tell you, I sometimes think the colonel started in the car going to Leicester, listening to Dele ke There was a part of me that found the world of imagination so interesting. And not only interesting, but that I was good at it. I remember are little snippets throughout my childhood. I remember when I was at Sleaford, High school, we did a play for it was just like Harry Potter. We were all in these houses, and my family house was Brownlow, Brownlow, Brownlow. Yeah, Brownlow it was Brownlow and Gifford, and I think it was Whitfield or something. Anyway, it was all named after these county families, and every, we'd compete throughout the year: Sports Day, Silly Olympics, cooking competitions, and there was a play competition. And I remember that I was one of the leads of the play for Brownlow. I was thirteen years old. I hadn't acted anything. And I just did it so, it was so easy. It wasn't hard. I remember forgetting lines on stage and making something up and being able to get back on track, but I was noticed for a second. And it was really odd because it was all based on my sitting at home or driving in a car imagination thing. And I just kept noticing that that was something that was just very easy for me. I just could. Yeah. I will say also, I wasn't terribly confident for many reasons on my looks. I was overweight. I had frizzy, curly hair at the time. That's not what people perceived as attractive. I never had a boyfriend. I was never asked out. I didn't have the perception of myself as anyone who could do those things the way that society had kind of shown that you got to be gorgeous to even consider doing stuff like that. And so all that stuff came a lot later.
2: Well, I, I want to dig into to later because when we became friends, you were a music student. Oh, and I then we went off and had lives and all of a sudden you're on TV. And we've caught up once or twice when we've run into each other in the city, but it's when we were talking before the podcast, we talked about the roles of South Asians in popular media and in the West. Right. And, I feel like in the last 10 years, I've seen a token Indian person on pretty much every show. Good Wife had The Investigator, Parks and Rec, The Office. So there's always an Indian person. And they're not always playing the token brown person role, thank God. Sometimes they have a Southern accent, like Tom Haverford. But what was your experience when the casting agent at USA said, hey, come on the show, was it you're gonna play a brown person.
0: Oh my god, I wish it was that had been that easy. <laughs> like, Come, play this. Everything has changed a lot yeah. for sure. When I started, there was literally I mean, I say this, but somebody's probably gonna go back and look at that year's pilot seasons. But the Don't year, worry, that,
2: friend, no one's listening to our podcast. It's
0: fine. <laughs> okay, good. Mom, <laughs> your mom is like, I know that the three pilots with <laughs> Indians were, <laughs> were shot that season. The pilot that was for Royal Pains, Divya's was a South Asian character. They were having problems finding it, it seems. And it was, I think, the only one that year that was a series regular. And she was, as I've said very openly, she was the number four on the call list. She was the token. She was oh, the- When you you're the show start? Because it's in syndication now. Oh God, 2008, I believe. Oh, okay. I should I'm trying to
2: remember where the world was in 08, but okay, keep going.
0: I think it was 08. And I got it just like anybody- Tends to get the auditions when they're younger. It was audition and I did it. I auditioned three times and it took a very long time because they couldn't find someone. And then one of the producers remembered my tapes because I auditioned out of New York and they were casting out of Los Angeles. And when you cast out of New York, you usually on a tape. And so one producer happened to remember my tape, brought it back to them when they went around again because they just couldn't find the right person. And then I had to do screen test and then I got the job. So it was like three auditions over months of time. And again, what I would say is at that time, there were not that many opportunities. There are a lot more now, especially for the younger generations, the 20 year olds who I was at that time, completely, but it's still, we're not the hot minority right now. East Asian is the hot minority right now. So yay, Sharon. People always say to me that always comes in cycles, etc, etc. And to be South Asian, if you really pay attention to who's on TV, there are a few here and there, and all the ones are the ones that have been working for ages and ages and are suddenly, it's like, oh, wow, this person, they made it. And you're like, this person's been working for 20 years.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> They've right. been trying really hard to get here. And it's also the same people because it gets very, I don't want to say that they don't want to try to find other people, but because there's so fewer roles, it tends to, they go, oh, yeah, well, what about that person? Because they just get used to that person. So a question
2: I want to ask about this is...
0: And they also typecast you. They typecast you yeah, for well, what
2: well, that, that was exactly... Back in the day, it was, oh, you got to be the terrorist or whatever, or the med student. But now... And I can't remember which actor or comedian that's brown or yellow said this, but it was, I just want to go out for roles where there isn't an ethnicity on it. And you oh, know, yeah. you're, you're on a yeah. Netflix show, which a lot of geeks, girls and boys like a lot, on Shira And your character...
0: Oh, God, that's my ultimate thing. That is my ultimate. I'm playing a blonde queen. I am playing a blonde white queen. I mean, come on. (laughs) I have won, everybody. (laughs) I have won. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I just wait for the day that I will go in. I love it when they'll be like, hey, Reshma, there's this role, blah, blah, blah. It's Angela. And I'm like, is it Angela? Meaning it's a South Asian girl who's called Angela? Or is it actually Angela, meaning they're looking for open ethnicity? And they're like, open ethnicity. I'm like, I'm not... Hey, hang on, is
2: that what it's called?
0: Yeah, no, that's what it's called. And I'm like... Open I'm not ethnicity.
2: <laughs> Can we rename the podcast to that? That's amazing. <laughs>
0: open oh. ethnicity. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, first of all, if they don't cost it white then they're going to cast it black. And then if they don't cast it black, they cast a Hispanic. And if they don't cast a Hispanic, they're going to go East Asian. And if they don't go East Asian, maybe they'll go South Asian possibly. But at that point, I'm pretty sure it's a sucky role if it's gotten down to South Asian here. That's literally the way. I'll give you a really good example. I'm not going to name any names here whatsoever. But I went into an audition and I walked in and I saw some of my peers, girls I've worked with, And one was black, one was white, one was Hispanic. And I was like, yay, girls. And it was so fun. And I was just like, yay. And they're like, hey, uh, so you're here too for this. Fantastic. And I was like, no, I'm actually here. And I was like, what role are you here for? And they're like, it was some wife role. And they were looking open ethnicity. I was there for a role for a 26-year-old South Asian girl. And everybody knows that I'm not 26 years old. So I was literally like, wait a second, you're telling me that they won't see me for the role that is age appropriate and an open career appropriate, right? Actually what I should be playing. I have to actually be seen for the role that I'll never get because I don't look 26 and I don't want to play a 26 year old, but I'm South Asian. That's what gets me about it sometimes. Wow. Literally like these women are, I respect them as actors and I'm exactly at the same level of these women and yet i will not be seen i will be seen for this role because i'm south asian i was on a television show what i don't understand that that stuff drives me wackadoodle dandy
2: wait wait did you just make that up because that's not an american thing
1: wackadoodle dandy
2: don't really know (laughs) we're old people fresh we're old people now we say i say dilly dally and my daughter makes fun of me
0: maybe but i mean it's stuff like that that i think is really really difficult to deal with and makes you sad sometimes that makes me just sad but some people can break through some people break through because it's all based on luck really isn't it entertainment is talent is like the last thing sometimes so i think at the end of the day it's I'm so thankful for what I was able to have done in the past. And I just I think now of that like little girl who was like, I'm gonna become an actor. And I just go, You crazy? Insanity, but I got lucky, so I can't poo poo it.
2: You made a reference to there are actors that have been working hard and when they break out people are like, "Oh, wow they came out of nowhere Where, they've been really working on it and when we were chatting before this we talked about an actress on a tv show right now yes and a supporting point really quick yeah from a casting perspective it should be either we're going to go all in on the ethnic show right and be all about indians and indian cultures or it's open ethnicity the indian person doesn't have to be a stereotypical indian person it's just a person who happens to be brown on screen right but the actress we were talking about is... Well,
0: open ethnicity is actually any ethnicity. There's yeah. actually what, it, Yeah. You don't have to be brown. It could be for any
2: ethnicity. Yeah, exactly. So when you see a brown person on screen, they weren't cast because they were a brown person. They were cast, or a yellow person, or a black person. They were cast because, oh my god, they exude this super Weezer fan comic book nerd, right? Right.
1: But only for open, only for open ethnicity. ethnicity. Right.
0: Yeah, only for open ethnicity,
2: yeah. I guess to my vision, is all casting should be open ethnicity, unless well, you're doing yeah, of like course. a well, yeah. movie like
1: <laughs> Yeah, of course it should. But <laughs> I mean, that's we should all also world, earn
0: the, the amount, same of amount money, money that we're, right, right, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, that is <laughs> what the world, that's the goal. Of <laughs> that's this how podcast, it should be. That's contract.
2: how it
1: should be. That is how, right. how it should be. So, yeah.
2: I, I guess, so one, an actor we both really respect recently passed away, but I mentioned this other, this new actress, who I, you know, you told me, she's been around forever, and I only discovered her on this Netflix show but because she, yes, she's an Indian, she plays the role of the Indian mom well, but she plays the role of the, the tortured parent even better, right?
0: First of all, we should disclose, this is my friend Porna, yeah. Porna Jagannatham. she is a wonderful actor, she is a friend, she's an activist- She is a woman who has been doing this for a long time. So yeah, she, total cred. For me, the
2: popular masses are like, oh, cool, she came out of nowhere. And you're like, Raman, she's been around forever.
0: We can say that story for lots of people, all ethnicities. That isn't actually, the struggle for South Asian actors is that you have to play certain roles to even be noticed to get somewhere, right? I got Divya because I was South Asian. I would not have gotten Divya if it was open ethnicity. It would have gone to somebody else, who was more approachable, recognizable for the masses, because that's what networks networks think. It's nice to see networks seeing, ah, if we have a full show about Indians, or if we have a full show about East Asians, it can go somewhere. It'll be even more incredible when networks see that they can trust that just because the role of Abigail, who is the leader of the show, is this particular actress who, again, has to get to the point of recognizability to actually get the role, right? But to get to that point, you have to get jobs. And if you don't have roles, you can't get the jobs. So it's like this nasty cycle, right? You can't actually get into the forefront unless you actually have multiple opportunities. And to get the multiple opportunities thus far has been to play the stereotypical roles. It is changing. It is important to say that it is changing. It is slow, but it is changing. And there are also other stuff. We can't always put it onto the culture, like you, know, you all get stereotyped into stuff. And I'm still put into the category sometimes of the uber smart or the uber smart but also sexy. So because I'm attractive, I can't play certain uber smart roles because my attractiveness takes away from the being smart. That's nothing to do with cultural. Yeah, you know, I, I totally relate to yeah. all of that.
2: Oh my God, yeah. That's like yeah.
0: social stuff. And nowadays, people want to see people who look like regular people. Well, that's really awesome. I look like a regular person, but sometimes people perceive you because you've played certain roles of not looking like, I tend to always be put in very tight dresses and I was glammed up and because it's I'm ethnic fun and then that stops you from being seen as the woman who walks in and can have a breakdown or the mom of a teenage kid but that has nothing to do with culture that just has to do with the ever evolutionary non-evolution of humans (laughs) you know it's yeah it's it's like societal
1: expectations right from a marketing perspective, I see it as what is the audience, really, they're creating a product. I hate to like boil it down to that, but they're creating a product that people will consume. So yeah. what do the people want to see and what do they expect to see uh, on what screen? What do they think they want to see? Right? Yeah, well, yeah that,
2: that, that's yeah. the important part because it's like the Black Panther argument. Oh, we could never have a movie with Black people about Africans and whatever, right? right? That's not right. But the minute you did it, I mean, I don't think the people in charge, I don't trust the instincts. I guess is what I would say.
0: Well, I mean, I think the instincts are based on what has won before. Yeah, So past performance. I think, right.
2: past performance. Yeah. I think
0: change is hard. And I think entertainment is the industry that pulls people out of the holes of their perceptions of their lives. And it takes them into fantasy. And that's a very big burden put on the creators of that industry. And most of them don't care because they want to make money because that's just the way we are. That's in every single career. So... I think that at the end of the day, there's so many levels now of things. There are things for people who want to think. There are things for people who don't want to think. There are things for people who want just reality shows. There are things for people who want animation. There's so many possibilities. And slowly it will evolve that the stereotypes will go away. That all these kids who are 20 years old and are now the upcoming faces of things, they will become the mothers. Mm -hmm. And their kids, the kids who play their kids will be all mixed, and now we've got this whole mixed thing happening, and everybody, you know, we've got shows called Blackish and Mixedish, and there's going to be Asianish, and there's going to be those things will happen. It's just when you're stuck in a certain generation of it, it gets a bit frustrating because you're just like, oh, but wait, I just missed that cycle. Ah, damn. So it's fascinating, actually,
1: just to watch it all happen. So now you're you're a mom, and you've got a I daughter. Am. I do. How has becoming a mother Changed your perspective on this, or how does all of that impact exactly what you're saying? Because I think about we started off the beginning where you and Remen both said you thought growing up you were white. I thought I was white not because the people around me were white, I actually grew up in Chinatown, but because mm-hmm. the people on television were white. So my role models and my sort of like those aspirational, fantastical either jobs or careers or roles were always modeled by white people. And to your point, there's still a lot that has to be changed. But as a mom, how how does that all work into either how you're raising your daughter or how you also see the impact that you're having on little girls today?
0: Mm, great question. My daughter's only four. Going on to 16. <laughs> sure. She acts like she's 16 in her mannerisms and in her wants. But she is connecting together many things which are slowly causing me to have to think about what you just asked me. She does recognize my voice. She does see me on TV. She has seen pictures of her on TV in my belly, so that's the big thing for her right now. To
1: put she's this- famous by way of mom, yeah. <laughs>
0: she's already, she's already famous, and she wants to be. I think somewhere inside of her, because that kid's a, that kid's quite a little performer. But I think, what do I try to do for her? This sounds very simplistic. I would love a generation of people. That instead of drawing separation from the different cultures, would see it more of a divine fabric and want to embellish on that fabric. Want to learn people, want to learn the cultural backgrounds of people with curiosity rather with trepidation. So I think the way I approach it is that I want Arya to understand who she is. And she is an American girl. So that's one thing. I want her to understand that her grandparents grew up in India. So that's another thing. And I want her to know that her mommy grew up mixed up in the middle. And that's another thing. So to make it simpler, I want her to not really see much at the moment other than people. And when the questions start to arise, I want it to actually become a bit more complex for her. I want her to go, okay, well, where's that person from? Well, that person's from here, but their ancestry is from here. Well what does that mean? I feel like maybe if I could give her that education, then she could come to her own conclusions of the beauty of the world. Does that make any sense? Yes. I think it does.
2: And I think we're ready for speed round. What do you think, Sharon?
1: I think so too. Everyone's like, that was
0: too much. That was, no. like, that was too
2: much. Was I, I, think, really nice I think I think my I, such a good answer that I think I would just this is the part of the show where we dumb it down completely. <laughs> so, are you ready for a speed round, Trish?
0: Let's do it.
1: All right. Here's the first question. What's one thing about you no one expects? I love
0: superheroes, just
2: like ramen. I have to interrogate that because yes. you gotta you gotta back that up. Give me your top two or
0: three. I'll back that up. Not like you like them. <laughs> No, who are your favorite superheroes? Who are your favorites? When I say superheroes, I'm also talking about superhero show movies. I love Pacific Rim. All I've right. literally watched that movie. My husband doesn't even get it. He's just the like, The sequel's terrible.
2: Know. The original is an original. It's a classic. The original.
0: The original's right. The, yeah, the sequel was, that was hard. But the original was fantastic. <laughs> I've watched all the Avengers. Thor, he's pretty hot.
1: Yeah, I'm with you on that one.
0: And then I do. Oh my- I,
2: What we just watched Extraction on Netflix and
0: oh, I nearly finished that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
2: to bring it back, sorry, just to get serious for a second, we watched it. I was entertained. My wife and I were entertained. Cat got to watch Chris Hemsworth, so hey, and I did too. He's a very attractive man. But that movie bothered me. The second day, I was like, oh, so it's a white guy goes and shoots up a bunch of brown people in Bangladesh.
0: I love the way that you missed, can't give it away, but yes, yeah, sure. That's the premise. That's the thing that it went to. But if you reverse,
2: if you reversed that, if you had Cal Penn go to Norway to fight Nordic drug Lords and shoot up Norway, that movie would never fly.
0: Yes. That movie wouldn't fly because it's also it sounds like a terrible movie.
2: Oh, it's Calpan. Never said sorry.
0: But no, but just for the fact of Norway ain't that interesting. Norway ain't gonna have that stuff. But they did, so let's not talk about that.
2: All right. So you like Thor? You like? You're a Thor fan. You're a Pacific Rim fan. What else you got?
0: I'm just trying to think of them. I like Black Panther. It was great, but that's the Avengers. But that was pretty cool. I'm trying to think of other ones. Do I like Spider Man? Spider Man's okay. Spider Man, I'm like nah. I think it's just more of the oh X Men. I liked X Men. It's just like the fantasy part of stuff.
2: Rashma, I'm going to have you on my secret comic book podcast launching next week.
0: Oh, I won't be able to say anything other than what I just said.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just say it all over again.
0: Sure. I don't know details. I just, I like overviews of stuff. I like it.
2: Are you more of a book, movie, or TV show
0: person? I think that would depend on the day, actually, because I love books. I've loved them since I was a kid. Child, it would be, I would go through so many novels. What's a book with the
2: character you relate
0: to? That I relate to? Oh, gosh. Well, it's not too much on the nose, but for namesake, namesake, the character is obviously a boy, but I felt a lot personally about that book.
2: Yeah, I think I told you the book, I was like, oh my God, that's my life. And then I saw the movie, full disclosure, I really don't like Kel Pen. I don't know why, but I don't. But him playing the main character bugged me. So I saw the whole movie from the dad's perspective. And I walked out of that movie, and I apologized to my dad.
0: I think I, I think that's a wow. really hard. I think it's a really hard book to put into a movie, anyway. But the book is beautiful, so I really that always goes on my mind. And I'm trying to think of other characters, I love Jane Austen. I mean, all of her stuff is just wonderful, and I would love to be in a movie like that. But those probably, I don't really see myself in characters when I'm reading books to get full enjoyment. I just like that I can conjure up the world in my head. And I've started to listen to audiobooks. During this COVID, I'm doing these six-hour cleanings every single weekend. And I sit and I didn't realize that you could just get audiobooks online from the library. No oh, yeah. idea.
1: It's the best thing ever.
0: Oh my God, it's amazing. So I just finished Celeste, how do you say her last name? Little Fires Everywhere, but her first book. Anyway, that book, it was really good. And it was, I had read it before, but I heard it on audio tape and it was so interesting, the details that I missed. So that was really cool. This is not a very fast round, Ramen. By the way, speed round, speed round is speed not round. at all exactly. Speed rounds are like that, 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 that. What do you think when you think I of round? <laughs> right.
1: It's a trap. Okay. Well, the next one should be quick, I think. What's your favorite mom dish?
0: You mean that I cook?
1: No, that your mom, that your mom oh, cooks okay. for you. <laughs>
0: That's hilarious. (laughs) My mom, when she used to cook, she doesn't cook as much nowadays, but when I was younger, when I was younger, she would always have something fresh and hot waiting for me when I came back from school, which makes me so guilty because my kid never gets that. I'm like, here's some wheat thins. My mom used to make like hot samosas, like from fresh. I remember her samosas. I remember her mushroom curry is a big favorite of mine. It's very simple, but there's something about it. And Yeah, I would say that there was... Oh, and she... My favorite thing is carrot halwa. Makes a really great carrot halwa. Nice.
2: Wouldn't I say, what's your least favorite dish?
0: Oh, eggplant curry. Her eggplant curry. I hate
2: it. Oh, you don't have to throw your mom under the bus for that one. Least favorite food in general. It could be any (laughs) food.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My least favorite dish. Oh, gosh.
1: I mean, something that tastes bad? Yeah, just like food that you're not into.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's a specific anything, but it's food that just... Just tastes bad. Not a cup of tea. I don't like vindaloo's. I don't know why suddenly everything is Indian. I don't eat yeah. like that much Indian food. <laughs> Self-hating Indian, Reshma. I know. I enjoy Mexican food, but I'm not one of those who's like, wow, Mexican food. My husband loves taco night. He's trying to get us into taco nights every Friday for. He Monday. sounds like
2: an amazing man. Mexican food's the yeah, best. I
0: guess I am not that into it. I'm like, I'm this sorry. is why we're not friends.
1: <laughs> you guys. Who's someone out there that you'd want to interview on a podcast?
0: Who would I want to interview? I mean, my mind goes straight to like somebody like Oprah, but I think I'd probably want to interview Michelle Obama. And I say that because I think that she is as special as Barack Obama is. And I wonder what it must have felt like to have to take second stage knowing. Your intelligence level and your capabilities and, and your magic. I think that's very interesting. Yeah, have Barack you, used to work for her, actually.
1: Yeah, that's how they yeah. met. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's very interesting how, of course, he's magical in my head as well, but I think she is as well. And I, I think it must have been very interesting to have had to take a back seat a bit.
1: Yeah. Have you read or listened to *Becoming*? Yeah. Yes. I have. I, love have. It. I loved it. I have.
0: Yeah, she's inspiration. I think women like that, who literally, like Oprah, like her, I love the idea of being excellent at what you do. That's literally the only thing I think I care about. I love people who are excellent at what they do. They are two women who are excellent at what they do, and I strive to be that person. So last question, are you ready? Go for it, fast round.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What does being a model minority mean for you?
0: Probably think being a model minority means that in my one life that I get to live, I draw upon the sacrifices and the steel character of my parents, who are the only model minorities I personally have had enough time to be around and analyze would be, I think that I would want to know that I had learned from them and their examples, and that I'd contributed in a way that was positive and shared who I was and who I've become. That's what I think. Beautiful.
1: That's so great. Thank you for spending this time with us.
2: You're welcome. And that's our show.
1: Like what you heard? Please subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform. For more about this episode, links to things mentioned, or to join the conversation, visit modmypod.com. We'd love to hear from you.
2: Now, here's a preview of our next episode. So we're watching Roots in our history class, and we get to the the point where Kunta is getting hung on the tree. They're telling him that his name is Toby because he's identifying with his African name. And they're saying, "No, your name is Toby. He's saying, no, my name is Kunta. They keep whipping him, they keep whipping him. My classmates, Thought it was a great idea to call me Toby.
1: Oh, like that was wow. what they took from that. Huh.
2: And so having those moments, for me, that was I just can't try to fit in here anymore. I just have to do my own thing. That's it for now. I've been Roman Segel.
1: And I'm still Sharon Lee Tony.
2: Remember, we're all auto minorities out there.
1: We'll talk to you soon.